Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It is great to have every single campus and local and every single person that calls life home a part of the family today. And we're believing that as we come around God's word, that he would speak. And uh, we, we don't just believe in lifting up the name of Jesus through worship, through praising his name, but we believe in the gathering together and coming around the life-giving word. It is the living word of God. And uh, if you have just newly made life home or you're new to faith, uh, or like myself, you've been here a little while, I want to encourage you today to lean in. And whatever life may look like right now, whatever God represents to you, I'm believing that today you're going to walk out with more of God. You're going to walk out with answers, you're going to walk out with solutions, and you're going to walk out lighter, uh, happier, and more importantly, full of joy. And today we're actually starting uh, to look at a new subject matter around joy. But before we get there, if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to open it to the book of James. The book of James is towards the back of the Bible. It's only a few pages long, so it may take you a few moments to find that. If you didn't bring your Bible, I will put the verses on the screen. But I love the book of James. James is an incredible writer, and there is incredible wisdom and nuggets of gold in the book of James. And today we're going to look right at the beginning, James 1, and we're going to look at verse 2 to 4. And I want you to pick, uh, pick up with me the importance of these words James uses. It says this in verse 2 of James 1. Dear brothers and sisters, so right off the bat, we're all included. When troubles come your way. If you're like me, you probably don't want to underline when. You'd rather cross it out and replace it with if. But when troubles come your way, watch this, consider it an opportunity for great joy. See, i got a problem with this because when troubles come my way, I don't find it enjoyable. Anyone with me? But isn't it interesting, the words that are penned, when they come, consider it an opportunity. In the midst of your challenge, in the midst of our trials, we can actually find joy. But are you or am I looking for joy or are we looking to run away? (laughs) Because it goes on to say in verse 3, for when, or for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And then verse 4, so let it grow. You want to endure in this life? You're going to have to let your faith be tested. You want to be able to stand through every season like a palm tree, maybe swaying from left to right but not toppling over? You and I have to be comfortable to allow trouble to be a part of our everyday where we find the opportunity for joy to come. And secondly, we're going to have to be okay with our faith being tested. Verse 4, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, it gets better, praise the Lord, you will be perfect, you will be complete, and you and I will need nothing. If we allow a new lens today to look at what we may be going through as an opportunity for God to move, it will allow endurance to be developed, and over time, endurance be perfected and you and I will live a life needing nothing. 
Simply the message title is Joy Full. Father, we thank you that whatever campus we may be in, whether it's our first time in an environment like this and we're here as a guest, or whether like myself, we've been here a little while, we pray that your word would speak to us that in this moment, we remove distraction and we lean into you. We thank you, you've already done great and mighty things in our lives as we've worshiped you, but we pray that as your word is focused in on that it would speak to our hearts and our lives. I pray it wouldn't just be another message I preach or another message we hear, but you would truly meet with us, change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have you ever found yourself getting a song stuck in your head? Here's a classic one. This is the song that never ends. I'll stop that there because that's all you'll think about for the rest of this message, but... And I was remembering back to some of the good (laughs) kids' church days back in my day, there was a song, Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Hey, castle of my heart. Anyone with me? Yeah, there's still some people that's a similar age to me or can recollect that. I I know you up at North, Pastor James, you love that song. But I was reminded of the favorite joyful tune back in, the good old children's church days, and you might remember it if you've been in church like me. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart today. Oh, I'm so happy, so very happy. Okay, you know those ones? Isn't it interesting they follow the same tune? Yeah, I was like, man, I didn't pick that up when I was younger, but I love that song because although it was, you know, a top 20 hit back in the 80s, great theology when you think about it, I've got the joy, 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 as though we need to be reminded and reminded and reminded, down in my heart. See, I've found that what we look for in this life is happiness, but if you understand, there's a very real difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy, as we're reading and as we're going to discover from James, the joy of the Lord is based not out of circumstance, but conviction. And I wonder how many of us have lost our conviction when it comes to the way God designed our lives to be and to live joyful. James says joy is actually found in the opportunity through trials. But I've discovered when trial comes my way, I'd rather run from it and find something that makes me feel better, happiness, circumstance, then stand on what I know to be know that the joy, 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 joy is down in my heart. So the question is simple. Are you living, am I living in this moment of history looking for the circumstantial happiness or am I living the conviction of joy? See, when you discover joy, the Greek word for joy is kara, kara, And kara is from the Greek word charis. And charis, translated, means grace. We go after things in this life to bring us happiness, wishing it would last and be joy that comes out of the depths of who we are, but we fail to realize that joy that James is talking about comes from an acknowledgement and understanding of the grace God has already given us. 
we would have to deter that then joy coming from grace means that the joy you and I so desire can never be found in a human-based circumstance. But actually, those circumstances that do come and go, and we love the feeling, the adrenaline hit, it's a happy day. They don't sustain you and I, and so then we chase after them and chase after them, chase after them, failing to realize we could actually have joy, which, as we're understanding now, is an inner gladness, a deep-seated pleasure. It is a depth of assurance and a depth of confidence that will actually ignite in you and I a cheerful heart. See, a cheerful heart then actually leads to cheerful behavior. And joy is not just an experience that comes from a favorable circumstance towards us, but it's actually God's gift to his believers because he gives it through grace. So the simple question for you down south, here in central, online, in a local, up at north, out west, wherever you may find yourself, is are you full of it? Could you say, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart? Or is it in my head? Or just attainable at my hands? See, circumstance will try and get you and I to buy into the lie of the enemy where he says, if you can just get that, you'll be happy. And that's probably true. But happiness will never sustain you. Joy will. We may not be able to control the circumstances that come our way. That's quite evident. I think everyone would know that. But James writes, and the way he writes would then contest that even though you and I can't control the circumstances that come at us, we can control how we think about where we may find ourselves. Is the trial you're going through right now an opportunity for joy? Or is it the bane of your life and you've been asking God for years to take it away? See, God wants you and I to have a deeper revelation of how we can live. Put it this way, are the tough times we face right now taking a withdrawal of who we are so we feel depleted or are they a deposit moment for God to move? The devil wants you and I to give up. More importantly, he wants you and I to give in to the sin that so easily ensnares us, the Bible says, But God wants to challenge your perspective, my perspective today through the writings of James and say, consider it pure joy that you've got what you've got going on right now because it allows God to bring joy to us. I think it's fair to say we would all do pretty good jobs at trying to remain calm when it's an uneasy situation or a trial, but God is obviously calling our understanding to attention in this moment to say, calm is not the greatest outcome in trial, joy is. So today, very quickly, very briefly, we're going to take a moment to look at three simple thoughts that I guess I've deemed joy activators that I've had to and have realized going to continue to have to activate to allow the joy, 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 joy to be down in my heart not just in a circumstance. First thought is this, gratitude. What is gratitude? Well, we know it to be thankfulness or appreciation, but let's put it in a question. 
Have you thanked God for today? Today? We're at 11.43 a.m. here in New Zealand, standard daylight time. Or have you allowed some of the hours past? Maybe you've only been up for a few moments. You just got to church. Praise the Lord. Maybe you got up at 3 a.m. to watch a sports game. I don't know. But have you thanked God for the day he's given you? I think we can so easily miss gratitude as a key ingredient to activate joy. The moment you bring gratitude to your day, God, I thank you despite trial, I still breathe. I appreciate that you made everything that is here and you made me. Sure, I look at the mirror and think I could have a bit more hair or a little bit more height (laughs) or a few more skill sets, but hey, I am fearfully and wonderfully made as we talked about last week. Do you have gratitude towards God? See, Psalm encourages us. Psalms 100, verse 1 to 5, it says this in the Amplified Version. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with hatred. No, serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Verse three, watch this. Know and fully recognize. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself is God. God, I thank you that you are God. Full stop. And I thank you for the day you've given me to live. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. And then a famous verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, bless him, praise his name. For the Lord is good, verse five, his mercy, his loving kindness, they are everlasting. Side note, footnote, his faithfulness, his faithfulness endures to all generations. What I believe is that the level of our gratitude determines a little well our perspective in the trial, which ultimately will determine the level of opportunity for joy to be our portion. See, the Israelites, if you understand the Old Testament, were walking in the wilderness, I think, 40 years. They did what probably you and I would do. They got upset at God when they didn't have what they wanted. And there's a portion of Scripture that says in Exodus that they were saying to Moses, the man of God, this is stupid, mate. We need to go back to Egypt. We'd rather die there because at least we had stuff to eat. We're out in the wilderness. We've got nothing. So Moses hits up God and says, look, the people classic. It's not like we didn't do some cool things like go through the waters and some other stuff that's, you know, like there's some cool stuff going on, but, you know, short-sightedness. Sorry, God. Can you help out? Scripture tells you and I that God provided manna every day. What is manna? Well, it was food. Really translated, it means what is it because the people were so stupid they didn't know how to articulate. They hadn't seen it before. It was like a barley-like substance, and when they went out to collect it and come back, they were able to make food to have sustenance for the day. There was a key 
directive from God where he said to Moses, tell the people not to take more than they need for today and I'll give them more tomorrow. But it wasn't enough of a miracle to see manna the first day. The people were so stupid. (laughs) What did they do? They gathered it up. And it was rotten when they woke up the next day because it wasn't for today and so they had to go back out and get it for the day in need. Gratitude teaches you and I to be thankful for what we have now, not chase after what we think is going to make us happy. Gratitude will allow you and I to replace happiness for deep joy. Gratitude will allow you and I, despite the challenge we may face, to be thankful in all seasons. There's a guy by the name of Nehemiah in the Bible, and his job was to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He, in spite of where he found himself in the complaints of the people, made this incredible statement where he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, we need to be reminded that it's his joy in us that now becomes our joy that overflows. We'll see this in a moment. But gratitude is a joy activator. How thankful are we to God for who he is and what he's given us? in this day and in this moment. Secondly, not just gratitude, but because I'm a student of Pastor Paul, there's another G word coming. And spoiler alert, the third one starts with G as well. Not just gratitude, but generosity. You might be like me in a season where you find yourself sometimes where it's harder than others, right? We all have them. And we say things like, what would I have right now to be able to do or give to someone else or bless someone else? Maybe you're like me where when you hear the word generosity, you instantly think finance. Yeah, it's tough, you know, although since I've come back from being overseas, it looks like petrol's come down a bit, praise the Lord. But when we live in a high inflation time, when we live challenged, maybe for you it's a paycheck to paycheck reality right now where You might have to go and pay $12 for a piece of broccoli, which is more than a full meal at KFC. Hello, somebody. (laughs) It's really hard to activate generosity. Let's be real for a moment. Because we look at the lack and we say, well, I've got to preserve what I have to make sure that I have enough. In fact, there's a widow in the Bible and the man of God Elijah comes and says, would you make me a meal? This is after God spoke to him. I won't get into it for sake of time. She says, you you don't understand, man of God. I've only got enough for me and my boy. We're going to have this last meal and then we're going to die. Pretty dire circumstance. He says, I tell you, if you activate your obedience to the word of God, you won't go without. The story, if you know it, is an amazing story of God's provision and she decides to give what she had left to trust God, and not only did she have enough to eat for that day, but for every day following, but was overflowing in the grace of what God had given her. It was generosity that allowed her to activate an appreciation. Man, I can give God thanks and appreciation and gratitude because he is a good God. When you and I live generously or activate generosity, it causes us to focus on the solution rather than the problem. This is why God's word says, or the apostle Paul writes and says, it's more blessed to give than receive. 
Whereas if I had a chance to write it, I would write it the other way around. Because we all want things, but God's word teaches you and I that if you are faithful to look after those around you in need, God will be faithful to look after you. And the moment you give out of what even you do or do not have, the moment you activate generosity, joy springs forth because you know you are not a part of the problem, you are a part of the solution. Ever thought in this last season, if you've been a part of life a little while, maybe of our other campuses today or you're online, you think, how does Pastor Paul get up there and spit faith at us despite the prognosis of a terminal cancer diagnosis? And I find myself asking God, how is this even possible? But I believe knowing Pastor Paul a little bit, he's got a personal revelation and has the joy, 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 joy down in his heart. And so the trial may come, yeah. But generosity forgets generosity. Every single one of us, I'm sure, has been impacted by the faith despite the trial. There's a chance and a window, whatever we may walk through, to allow joy to rise allow endurance and faith, your faith being tested, which allows endurance, which allows you to get to a point where it's not about what do I need to make sure I obtain happiness, circumstance, but I now not need anything. Hebrews 12, verse two, sort of reminds us how to live generous, in my opinion anyway, it says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross, Oh no, on the contrary. Because of the joy that was waiting for him. What was waiting for him? <laughs> death. But he could see past death with the generosity of the act of going to the cross to see what it would do for others. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And now, now he is seated at the right hand of God's throne. Generosity will cause you to see the solution, not the problem. The problem was quite obvious for Jesus. Someone sold him out. He was being crucified for a crime they couldn't communicate. He committed because he didn't commit when he was perfect. He could have easily focused on the problem, yet the generosity of who he was for you and I caused him to focus on the solution. I wonder how many of us today need to be committed to living generous and being a part of the answer rather than being part of the problem. And then finally, not just gratitude, not just generosity, but I think this word guidance is so apt for our day and our age. Simply put in a question form, who's leading you? Maybe let's put it in a younger generation tone. Who are you following? Hmm. There's an old school saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I think the new school saying needs to be, let me see who you're following on Instagram and I'll tell you whether you're going to be part of the problem or the solution. 
You see, we, we, we think like the Israelites, we know better. We think God has failed us or doesn't hear us. We think that we can make it and so we try and obtain happiness, but I've come to discover that if I rely on my own intelligence, I will always come up short. But there is something called truth that is greater than trial. And if you trust the truth, know the truth, the Bible says, the truth will set you free. You live in accordance to God's word. You allow Jesus to be your guide. That's where we see change take place. And across all of the campuses, our worship teams are going to join me. And I don't want you to be distracted, but it's the truth that gives you and I the ability to withstand the mockers, the abusers, the liars. And obviously, according to Jesus, even gives you and I the ability to withstand things like a death prognosis. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded that his word is right here. Maybe you're someone that finds it hard to read his word on a consistent basis. Can I suggest that you start scribbling out scriptures that mean something to you? Start reminding you that he's your guide, not the world. The Bible actually teaches us or tells us in Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me, the psalmist writes, the path of life. I love this because he goes on to say, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, I've discovered this guidance thing to a whole new level in this last season. I'm sure you're up to play if you're not. I'm sure you can find it on our website. We're in a year that we've declared but God, but we're in a season where we're believing more than ever for people to be supernaturally healed. We've been believing and standing that Pastor Paul would be completely healed, that the medicine would do what it needs to do, and the prayer would do what it needs to do. There would be a medical miracle by God's grace. Amen. But I want you to hear me for a moment because but God is a simple two-word phrase, but God has found many accounts in the scripture, but God is a deep-seated revelation. It's not a campaign. It's not even just a vision theme for the year. But it's actually a deep-seated revelation. Where it actually came from, if you don't know, is when our family got called by the doctor to have everyone come into a room and it was COVID so we couldn't go to the doctors and he said, I will be calling at this time. Put me on speakerphone because we've found some stuff going on with dad and we need everyone in the room. It was one of my brothers that arrived and the prognosis was not great. We had some time of prayer and then at the end of the prayer, I'll never forget it. He says, hey, I I don't know if this makes sense to anyone, but, you know, as I was driving here, I just felt like God impressing my heart, my spirit, these two words, but God. This came before we knew what the prognosis was. We thought it was concussion and some challenges with the cognitive ability. Nope, it was stage four melanoma cancer riddled through his body and his brain. And that's where the joy, 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 joy down in the heart becomes evident in your life. 
I believe that those two words have spurred faith in other people like it has in ours. I believe that those two words will be far more than a year 2022, but those two words are going to give hope in this moment. Whatever campus you may be at, whatever local you're in, whatever continent you may be tuning in online for, because the truth of the matter is that we can have gratitude. (laughs) We can be thankful because God is God and God is good. We can live generous because all that we have is His anyway. And when we give, we never lack anything. And then we can actually live in a place of guidance where we can say, despite the circumstance, despite the trial, hello, it's an opportunity for the joy, 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 joy down in my heart to come forth. See, I found through this journey that when we come back to the leading and guiding of Jesus, I've started to gain gratitude again. And the gratitude's caused me to live a little bit more generous and the cycle continues on. And despite what we all may face in this life, we have victory in Jesus. It gets better. (laughs) But the challenge is, Will you thank him when it's not going well as much as you thank him when it is going well? The challenge is, will you do something for someone else when you feel like you've got nothing yourself? And the challenge is, would I come back to aligning my life to his word and allowing him to guide me? How have I done this? Personally, I find worship to be a great reminder. You know what? God's here. And you know what? When I've got zero left in the bank account, or I've got zero left in the care, or I've got zero left in helping people, what I do have is my voice, and I'm going to choose to glorify my Father in heaven and give Him the generosity of my breath. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.